Hello, Happy New Year, and a big welcome to the first installment of The Divine Lantern for 2022. With the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower, and enrich. I'm your host, Atticus, from St. Nicholas Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. Today, we have a special episode which will focus on the Feast of the Theophany. This episode will include a summary of the feast as well as its liturgical music and the gospel reading as read in the service. We will also have an opportunity to reflect on the teachings of our Holy Fathers. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17, as read during the Divine Liturgy for the Theophany. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you do come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, 
and alighting on him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Glory to you, O God, glory to you. When you were baptized in the Jordan, O Lord, the worship of the Trinity was made manifest. For the voice of the Father bore witness to you, calling you his beloved Son, and the Spirit in the form of a dove confirmed the certainty of the Every year on the 6th of January, the Feast of the Holy Theophany, also known as the Epiphany, of our Lord God and Saviour Jesus Christ is celebrated. The feast is the culmination of the Christmas season, which starts on the 25th of December and ends on the 6th of January. This feast commemorates the baptism of Christ in the River Jordan, as well as commemorating the divine revelation of the Holy Trinity. For the first time in all the scripture, it is at the baptism of Christ that all three persons of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were made manifest. Thus, the name of the feast is also Epiphany, which means manifestation, or Theophany, Greek, meaning appearance of God. All three persons were made manifest together. The Father's voice is heard from heaven and testified from on high speaking of his beloved Son. The Son received his Father's testimony and is incarnate, standing physically in the Jordan. And the Holy Spirit was seen in the form of a dove, descending from the Father and resting upon the Son. Never had the mystery of the one God in three persons been revealed so clearly. And this was done in front of the crowds who had come to be baptized by St. John the Baptist. At that time, St. John the Forerunner was known to many. Multitudes of people gathered to witness his ministry through his baptisms, while Christ was not yet known. For Christ to be known and begin his ministry, St. John the Forerunner had to decrease for Christ to increase. It is here, at Christ's baptism, that we witness the beginning of our Lord's public ministry. Have you ever wondered why Christ was baptized? There was no need for Christ to be baptized in that Jesus himself didn't need to repent as he was sinless. So it begs the question, why? Well, St. John of Damascus said that the Lord was baptized not because he himself had need for cleansing, but to bury human sin by water. To fulfill the law, which was to reveal the mystery of the Holy Trinity, and finally to sanctify the nature of water, and to offer us the form and example of baptism. As St. Paul says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. That's chapter 2 of Corinthians. Although Christ had no sin to repent of, 
he receives the baptism of repentance on behalf of all of humanity. It is important to understand the necessity of our own baptism as believers of Christ, especially after the example was set by Christ himself. From ancient times, this feast was called the Day of Illumination and the Feast of Lights, since God is light and has appeared to illuminate those who sat in darkness and to save the fallen race of mankind. It inspires us with a sense of deep gratitude for the illumination and purification of our sinful nature. Our own baptisms are a call to Christian life. Therefore, it is necessary to preserve these gifts of grace of the holy baptism, keeping clean for as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians chapter 3. Christ's baptism was the beginning of his ministry and so too, after our baptism, we are cleansed of sin and begin our own Christian journeys. We bury our sin with water and are made new. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit and God calls us to be his true daughters and sons, acknowledging that we belong to him. God needs to be integrated in all aspects of our lives, hence God's will should be done in our life. Christ not only identifies completely with our humanity, but he also begins the transformation of the entire created world. After his baptism, having as a man been filled with the Holy Spirit, Christ begins to show the way to triumph over temptation, sin, sickness, religious hypocrisy, political oppression, demonic oppression, and eventually even death itself. Christ as a man, without ceasing to be God, conquers all human enemies. Christ shows the way for all mankind into the kingdom of God, into paradise, into the resurrection, and into eternal life. This is why theophany is so important. In remembering, in celebrating the baptism of Christ, we call to mind the washing away of sin through repentance, the reverse of the ancient curse, and the conquering of sin and all its consequences, even death. The world was enlightened at Christ's baptism, and when we prayerfully remember it, we come to experience that enlightenment just a little more fully. The service of the Theophany is celebrated on the eve of the feast, which would be the 5th of January with the Divine Liturgy of St. Basil the Great. But also, in commemoration of this event, the Great Blessing of Water is performed on the same day. Here, the priests use the water which is blessed to visit and bless the homes of the faithful, filling households with the sanctifying presence of God. There are few things more vital to our lives than our homes. In our homes, we pray, we work, we eat, it's where we rest, we talk to others, we order our lives, we work out our marriages, etc. There is no other place more important to reclaim the kingdom of God rather than have it be occupied by the enemy. We must drive the enemy out of our homes and keep him at bay by our prayers, our righteous life, and the annual sprinkling of holy water at the Theophany. The blessing of the home essentially reconnects the home to God, creating unity and a connection with Him. Not only are homes blessed with this holy water, but the faithful are also given holy water after the service to take home and keep it all year round. The waters are sanctified, which means that the waters in their essence do not spoil with the passage of time. But for one whole year, and often for two or three years, they remain unharmed and fresh just as those obtained from fountains. 
the faithful often use this water in times of need or illness. Discourse on the Day of the Baptism of Christ by St. John Chrysostom, Archbishop of Constantinople. We shall now say something about the present feast. Many celebrate the feast days and know their designations, but the cause for which they were established they know not. Thus concerning this that the present feast is called Theophany, everyone knows. But what this is, Theophany, and whether it be one thing or another, they know not. And this is shameful every year to celebrate the feast day and not know its reason. First of all, therefore, it is necessary to say that there is not one theophany, but two. The one actual, which already has occurred, and the second in future, which will happen with glory at the end of the world. About this one and about the other you will hear today from Paul, who in conversing with Titus speaks thus about the present. The grace of God has revealed itself, having saved all mankind, decreeing that we reject iniquity and worldly desires, and dwell in the present age in prudence and in righteousness and piety, and about the future, awaiting the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And a prophet speaks thus about this later. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood at first, then shalt come the great and illuminating day of the Lord. Why is not that day on which the Lord was born considered theophany, but rather this day on which he was baptized? This present day it is on which he was baptized and sanctified the nature of water, because on this day all having obtained the waters do carry it home and keep it all year, since today the waters are sanctified and an obvious phenomenon occurs. These waters in their essence do not spoil with the passage of time, but obtained today for one whole year and often for two or three years, they remain unharmed and fresh, and afterwards for a long time do not stop being water, just as that obtained from the fountains. Why then is this day called Theophany? Because Christ made himself known to all, not then when he was born, but then when he was baptised. 
Until this time, he was not known to the people and that the people did not know him. Who he was, listen about this to John the Baptist who says, Amidst you stand, him whom you know not of. And it is surprising that others did not know him when even the Baptist did not know him until that day. And I, said he, knew him not. But he that did send me to baptize with water, about this one did tell unto me, over him that shall see the Spirit descending and abiding upon him, this one it is who baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thus from this it is evident that there are two theophanies, and why Christ comes at baptism and on whichever baptism he comes, about this it is necessary to say. It is therefore necessary to know both the one and equally the other. And first, it is necessary to speak your love about the latter, so that we might learn about the former. There was a Jewish baptism which cleansed from bodily impurities, but not to remove sins. Thus, whoever committed adultery or decided on thievery, or who did some other kind of misdeed, it did not free him from guilt. But whoever touched the bones of the dead, whoever tasted food forbidden by the law, whoever approached from contamination, whoever consorted with lepers, that one washed and until evening was impure and then cleansed. Let one wash his body in pure water, it says in the scriptures, and he will be unclean until evening and then he will be clean. This was not truly of sins or impurities, but since the Jews lacked perfection, then God, accomplishing it by means of this greater piety, prepared them by their beginnings for a precise observance of important things. Thus, Jewish cleansings did not free from sins, but only from bodily impurities. Not so with ours. It is far more sublime and it manifests a great grace, whereby it sets free from sin. It cleanses the spirit and bestows the gifts of the spirit. And the baptism of John was far more sublime than the Jewish, but less so than ours. It was like a bridge between both baptisms, leading across itself from the first to the last. Wherefore John did not give guidance for observance of bodily purifications, but together with them he exhorted and advised to be converted from vice to good deeds and to trust in the hope of salvation and the accomplishing of good deeds, rather than in different washings and purifications by water. John did not say, wash your clothes, wash your body, and you will be pure, but what? Bear your fruits worthy of repentance. Since it was more than of the Jews, but less than ours, the baptism of John did not impart the Holy Spirit, and it did not grant forgiveness by grace. It gave the commandment to repent, but it was powerless to absolve sins. Wherefore John did also say, I baptize you with water, that one, however, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Obviously, he did not baptize with the Spirit, but what does this mean? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. Call to mind that day, on which for the apostles there appeared disparate tongues like fire and sat over each one of them. And that the baptism of John did not impart the spirit and remission of sins is evident from the following. Paul found certain disciples and said to them, received you the Holy Spirit since you have believed. They said to him, but furthermore, whether it be of the Holy Spirit, we shall hear. He said to them, into what were you baptized? They answered, into the baptism of John. Paul then said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance. Repentance, but not remissions of sins. For whom did he baptize? 
having proclaimed to the people that they should believe in the one coming after him, namely Christ Jesus. Having heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul laying his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Do you see how incomplete was the baptism of John? If the one were not incomplete, would then Paul have baptized them again and placed his hands on them, having performed also the second? He shew the superiority of the apostolic baptism and that the baptism of John was far less than his. Thus, from this we recognize the difference of the baptisms. Now it is necessary to say, for whom was Christ baptized and by which baptism? But first of all, it is necessary for us to recognize by which baptism he was baptized, and then it will be clear for us. By which baptism indeed was he baptized? Not the Jewish, nor ours, nor John's. Hence, it is evident that he came to the Jordan not for the forgiveness of sins and not for receiving the gifts of the Spirit. For whom was he baptized? If this was done not for repentance, nor for the remission of sins, nor for receiving the gifts of the Spirit, through the other two reasons of which about the one the disciple speaks and about the other he himself spoke to John. Which reason of this baptism did John declare? Namely that Christ should become known to the people. As Paul also mentions, John therefore baptized with the baptism of repentance so that through him they should believe on him that come. This was the consequence of the baptism if John had gone to the home of each and standing at the door had spoken out for Christ and said, He is the Son of God, such a testimony would have been suspicious and this deed would have been extremely perplexing. So too, if he in advocating Christ had gone into the synagogues and witnessed to him, this testimony of his might be suspiciously fabricated. But when all the people thronged out from all the cities to Jordan and remained on the banks of the river, and when he himself came to be baptized and received the testimony of the Father by a voice from above and by the coming upon of the Spirit in the form of a dove, then the testimony of John about him was made beyond all questioning. And since he said, and I knew him not, his testimony put forth is trustworthy. They were kindred after the flesh between themselves, wherefore Elizabeth thy kinswoman has also conceived a son said the angel to Mary about the mother of John. If, however, the mothers were relatives, then obviously so also were the children. Thus, since they were kinsmen, in order that it should not seem that John would testify concerning Christ because of kinship, the grace of the Spirit organized it such that John spent all of his early years in the wilderness, so that it should not seem that John had declared his testimony out of friendship or some similar reason. But John, as he was instructed of God, thus also announced about him, wherein also he did say, and I knew him not. From when did thou find out, he having sent me that say to baptize with water, that one did tell me? What did he tell thee? Over him thou shalt see the spirit descending like to a dove and abiding over him, that one is baptized by the Holy Spirit. Do thou see that the Holy Spirit did not descend as in a first time, then coming down upon him, 
but in order to point out that preached by his inspiration, as though by a finger it pointed him out to all. For this reason he came to baptism. And there is a second reason about which he himself spoke. What exactly is it? When John said, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou art come to me, he answered thus, stay now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill every righteousness. What does he mean? to fulfill every righteousness. By righteousness is meant the fulfillment of all the commandments. As is said, both were righteous, walking faultlessly in the commandments of the Lord. Since fulfilling this righteousness was necessary for all people, but no one of them kept it or fulfilled it, Christ came then and fulfilled this righteousness. And what righteousness is there, someone will say, in being baptized? Obedience for a prophet was righteous, as Christ was circumcised, offered sacrifice, kept the Sabbath, and observed the Jewish feasts. So also he added this remaining thing, that he was obedient to having been baptized by a prophet. It was the will of God then that all should be baptized, about which listens as John speaks. He having sent me to baptize with water, so also in Christ. The publicans and the people do justify God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. The Pharisees and the lawyers reject the counsel of God concerning themselves, not having been baptized by him. Thus, if obedience to God constitutes righteousness and God sent John to baptize the nation, then Christ has also fulfilled this along with all the other commandments. Wherefore also the Spirit did descend as a dove, because where there is reconciliation with God, there also is the dove. So also in the ark of Noah, the dove did bring the branch of olive, a sign of God's love of mankind and of the cessation of the flood. And now in the form of a dove and not in a body, this particularly deserves to be noted. The spirit descended, announcing the universal mercy of God and showing with it that the spiritual man needs to be gentle, simple and innocent. As Christ also says, Except you be converted and become as children, you shall not enter into the heavenly kingdom. But that ark, after the cessation of the flood, remained upon the earth. This ark, after the cessation of wrath, is taken to heaven. And now this immaculate and imperishable body is situated at the right hand of the Father. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Goodbye for now.